Think Fit, Be Fit, effective thinking for potent workouts. Think Fit, Be Fit is dedicated to creating a new conversation about your exercise. Our podcast helps to uncover how the fitness industry has misled us. And it will show you that if you believe in your ability to improve your body through exercise, you don't need to rely on diluted or shallow information. From there, you can then educate yourself about the thing you are trying to change, your body. Then by engaging in a process of self-mastery, you will discover the secrets of exercise. My name is Jen Schwartz. I'm the founder of Think Fit Be Fit podcast. As a full-time muscle activation technique specialist, strength and conditioning coach, and detail-oriented personal trainer, I developed this podcast to help ensure that your time in the gym is well spent and that you have the power of enhancing your exercise with effective thinking. This podcast is an educational resource designed for those who have overcome injury and want to stay healthy. Hello, welcome to Exercise Science Insider, episode three of Think Fit, Be Fit. My name is Jen Schwartz and my friend Rui from London is joining me on this conversation about a topic that is ever present in the fitness industry which is fatigue. We are here to dive into a basically a pervasive lie sold to fitness consumers that fatigue is an achievement or a goal for your workouts. The common fallacy of fatigue and exercise is also something that is thought of as sexy and important to the fitness process. This couldn't be more of a sham. The topic of fatigue and exercise is grossly misunderstood. Fatigue is not something you should be aiming for in every single workout. Yes, this may be a surprise. However, smart fitness is not going to fatigue and exerting yourself beyond what you're capable of every single workout. So if you have been noticing patterns of elevated stress or fatigue after exercise and like the morning after, like you have an exercise hangover, definitely going to get a lot of value from this ex- uh, episode. There's also uh, a segment of listeners that are trainers. So trainers, if you're leveling up your game here, do your clients trend during trend this way? Do they seem to always blame stress for their issues? Do they always seem to come in tired and leave tired and maybe even a little sick? Constant, like a a pattern of this. Then it's time to evaluate how much fatigue is in the workouts. And if you are an experienced exerciser or somewhat new, and you just are confused about how much exercise is too much or too little, this is an awesome episode, lots of value for you as well. And most importantly, if you just feel like you're wasting time on your workouts because the results are just not what you expected and 
you're doing everything by the book, there's something missing and that is the actual results. This might be this might be the problem. It's time to start questioning and problem solving. So I we hope to do that for you today. So in Think Fit Be Fit style, we are presenting this old model of thinking about fitness, which is kill it every day, tired yourself, make sure you're really sore, into Think Fit Be Fit, which is thinking about your anatomy, your physiology, and how you can challenge it appropriately to have strong days consistently. Not every day. We're not perfect every day. But having a trend of consistent strength gains and reasonable amount of change in your workouts. So that is called variance in your workouts. And to apply this in the uh, thinking about how much exercise you should do and how fatigued you should be, we are actually talking about increasing thresholds instead of exceeding them constantly. So you're not surprising your body every single time you work out because that is stressful. Exercise can be maladaptive. It can create adaptions in your body that are just as unhealthy as smoking and inflammation, joint pain, injuries, and then surgery. These are maladaptions to exercise, or rather they can be exercise, maladaptions to exercise. The alternative is slow and steady wins the race. So let's talk about that. Let's dive into it. It's going to involve brain science, learning science, muscle growing science. It's all things body optimization and to ultimately gain more tools for resilience and moving away from like the boot camp style of fatigue and hoping that you're not too sore three days later. So here is the real insider questioning. Is every rep a learning experience for your brain or is it a stressful event which can cause all the maladaptions that we don't want? We want to be healthy. If you're thinking this show is sounds like I'm a fitness snob, then yes, I confess, that's me. This is not quick fast food fitness. It's for people that are ready to stop trashing their body with having too much fun or are sick and tired of being injured and wasting their money and time on exercise that keeps them sore, tired, and injured. Okay, so here's the rundown. You'll learn some of the neural and muscular inner workings of fatigue and exercise and why you don't want to waste your time on workouts with too much fatigue. I think I hammered that one. There are connections between pain and exercise fatigue, which is very interesting. And 
how Rui and I help our clients understand this concept so that they can apply it in every workout. So it's actionable steps and they really are things that I discuss and that he discusses and teaches each day in and out of the gym. In the show notes, I've included a link to a dehydration study that is mentioned, a link to download the four things holding you back from a full injury recovery. This is free and it's something that I wrote with my clients in mind who seem to be in a cycle of bad exercise and old injury. I've also included included a blog from Brain HQ that talks about an historical figure in brain science, Dr. Sperry. And I included it so that you can start to learn about the brain and why we're always considering this in smart training. I will say this, exercise that is good for your body is good for your brain and vice versa. This is really the sweet sauce of exercise. We are hardwired for learning, moving, and personal growth. That's what it's all about. Human optimization is getting closer to that. So enjoy and take a look at the show notes. Let me know if I'm missing anything or if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer that. So here we go. So I have the title, I'm just going to call it the common fallacy of fatigue. All right. That I think that works for our, it's almost like we just had a warm up conversation anyways, because it's such a complicated concept. Yeah. It is but a complicated one, yeah, that's true. And it's also something that's ever-present in every single workout, potentially. Mm-hmm. So, true. yeah, I think it's a, it's fine that we had to do a second take anyways. It's okay. So awesome. if it's the common fallacy, what I, what I would like to get through mm-hmm. is essentially why this is so important why should people take a deeper dive into this topic or why they should think a little bit more on the inside rather than uh, just ignoring this factor of exercise and results. And then uh, I have three over, uh, overarching questions. One of them is what is fatigue? And we covered that last time pretty well. I did listen to it. And what elements of a training session can cause fatigue? And then what do we leverage to avoid this becoming a problem or just to improve our results with this information? And, but I think- Sorry, what was was the last one? What was the last one? How do we leverage or what do we leverage? to use this information uh, for our, our own training and for our clients' training 
So like when we talk about intuition and watching the form and mechanical breakdown, so we leverage mm -hmm. that to get to apply this inside view of fatigue. Yes. Good. Cool. Um, I think a really good place to start is, could you in a few sentences uh, tell us or me the, the connection between what we talked about last time with the brain map and, or the body map and focusing our attention and the connection between that and fatigue and why, why this stuff matters? Okay, so to my understanding, um, when, we, when we train or when we're recovering from an injury, uh, we obviously use our central nervous system uh, to control our uh, muscular system. Um, now, it is important to be aware of fatigue because once we reach a point where we are not as efficient uh, performing a task or in other words, we're fatigued, like even if it's physiological or, or neurological, uh, we have a window where we can create maladaptation. So for example, if we train and we're getting stronger, so that would be a good adaptation. But once we get to fatigue, and, and, and again, going back to what we just uh, uh, mentioned, if we get to that point where we lose form or we start to compensate, our body tries to adapt, and that uh, adaptations might be maladapt maladaptations because we're trying to push through where we actually don't have the capability anymore to be as efficient as before. Mm -hmm. Does, does it, is it clear? Like, does it make sense? Yeah, it makes sense perfectly to me. I mean, it's important that we distinguish the difference between a good experience and a bad experience when we're talking about exercising for life when you have old injuries and when you have uh, old movement patterns from the old injuries or you're carrying around a lot of stress. So all of that applies to wanting to pay attention to these details to me. And that makes sense. That, that explanation also makes sense. Yeah, and, and it, it's funny to see like in our industry and it, it's a common thing is the, the mentality will be, I'm gonna beast you. And mm -hmm. if you cannot walk after the session, that was a good session. Yes, yes. And it's so frustrating to see that even though trainers should know better, like they educate people this way and that becomes a common sense, which is terrible. Absolutely. I have a of this. There is a TV show on HBO. It's called Succession. Have you heard of it? No, never. Okay. I want to check it out. It's, um, it reminds me of like billions on Showtime. Anyways, it's, a, it's, it's dramatic and it's about people with a lot of money. And mm -hmm. people that value their money also tend to value their time, right? And yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the scene that I'm thinking of was when one of the characters who is, uh, what's his name? 
um, Roman. And Roman is now the CE, COO of his dad's company. And the first thing he does is he gets a new trainer. That's what he wants to do with his new money, right? And he hires the trainer and they have like a scene where they're talking back and forth and the trainer is kind of in his face and he's being very serious. He's like, I take my job very seriously. This is a 5.30 a.m. appointment. Every, he said every day, who knows? And I expect you to be serious. And then Roman, the, the, the paying client says, absolutely yes. Fast forward, we don't see any of the workout. The next day, Roman can't sit down because his back is, is tough and it's, it's hurting him. And he vocalizes this in like three different scenes basically. And then he goes to the trainer and he says, you know what? I can't really move right now. So I need you to like back off or whatever we did last time. I need you to fix this. And the trainer was black sedasial and like, he was just like, mm, okay. Yeah. And then he goes, Roman, the paying client says, okay. He was like, well, I'm just going to hire about a team of lawyers and rip every part of liability that you have, like, because I'm incapacitated right now and I make this much money and you are hurting my productivity. He was oh. like, he was like, are you going to take me seriously? And the trainer was like, it just gave him this like cute slash dumb look. And, you know, it was kind of laughed about, but he was like, you got it, right? Like, you're going to take me seriously. So I don't know. Like, I think that kind of uh, just puts it in a box, like what you were saying about the industry and like what our expectations are. Like, Oh, totally. Yeah. Like we're supposed to be fatigued. Um, we're supposed to, I had it happen the other day at um, one of our soccer training sessions, our football training, that this, um, there are, there's 16 and 17 year old boys and they, we have these organized like injury prevention slash uh, core muscle activation sessions. We do mm -hmm. them for about 20 minutes and I have this huge group of teenage boys, which isn't, abnormal this is part of my uh weekly <laughs> and <clears throat> this kid comes up to me he's like my calves like i can't feel them they're like kind of numb and i was like well that's kind of weird like tell me more and he was like well i had a speed session yesterday with my trainer and i was like well you have to tell him that that's not okay like you need your calves like that's that's like the thing that's going to slow you down. He was, I was like, "Why are you seeing this trainer?" He was like, "I need to get faster," and I was like, "You're missing the point." <laughs> and then I said that in front of like five other boys, and they all got it, and I felt bad. I felt bad. I was like, "No, you're doing a good job, but you still have to tell them to back off, like, or you have to change the day that you're doing this," because this type of fatigue not only inhibits you for like the day it can inhibit you for um what you're trying to acquire as a i don't know a benefit of your exercise am i right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. totally totally <laughs> and it's 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 uh especially like if if there's any any people with um in, in recovering from an injury it's even worse right it's mm -hmm. like you just 
people they're just beasted and and there's these factors that that will create that they'll reach that threshold of threaten and 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 that's it then we we're in pain and yeah. uh and fatigue is one of them um i'm not sure if we talked about the other ones in the last uh, podcast um but uh yeah fatigue plays a massive part um in in controlling that pain alert that sometimes our brain uh, uh unleashes well that's exactly where we left off and that's why you know we're like we were excited to bring this topic and bridge it together with you know priming our attention for quality exercise right mm -hmm. so that falls under this category of exercise is a stress that's how i explain it to my clients um, yeah yeah completely yeah. and that's something i learned through rts and something i regularly see as an mat practitioner because i do less training with my clients and i do more mat and so i'm always exposed to what people are doing uh, and how they describe it and how they, you know what I mean? Not, not, not necessarily like giving them exercises. And, mm -hmm. uh, I think it's important that people, my clients anyways, <laughs> understand <laughs> that each and every exercise, there is a physiological, a neurological, a chemical or an immune response by our body. And that really is the thing that determines the outcome. So shit can go bad if exercise is too stressful or over fatiguing physiologically, neurologically, and in a, an immune, a chemical immune sense. And mm. what do you add? Do you add that to your client talk or what else do you put in there? Yeah. I, I try mainly to, to, to educate them in terms of uh, effort perception. Uh, so, cause we're not in, in anyone's body so we, we we could look like at the speed range of motion how does that change if there's any movement pattern that goes off but the real fatigue we're not inside them so if if they if we don't communicate with them and we don't actually ask for their feedback often we we can miss uh that threshold and then it's too late um so mainly try to 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 especially the first couple of sessions, try to get to know their body, try to get that communication going of, of uh, try to understand and, and, and ask them often how, how, you, how you perceive the effort, how, how, how tired are you, how many reps could you do more, uh, all within then the other components of, of uh, technique and, and speed and, and uh, resistance profile, things like that. Um, so that's one of the main things I, I do in the beginning, especially in the beginning, because after a while I think once clients get get more used to the way we work and mm -hmm. and they they just say straight away okay i'm done i, I can't do anymore and we just like respect that um if they're committed if not sometimes they're on a lazy day and then we <laughs> mm -hmm. we need to be aware of that sure i mean yeah no it's uh yeah that's the thing it's like um i i struggled with myself personally understanding where my fatigue and a window of benefit is mm -hmm. because 
I think it's important that you safely nudge this fatigue, but not exert yourself without the rest, proper rest interval or amount of nutrition and things like that. So I think that's like a good bridge into talking about like the actual, what is fatigue and what do we, what, how do we define this in a session? So you said, you know, the exertion effort and understanding that we're not in our client's body and that we have to be able to almost like draw this information out of them in a, in a productive way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then what, um, I guess, can we talk about like mechanical breakdown and, and form in? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think, I, I don't know how, how you, you do it. I, I, in terms of mechanical breakdown, a part of checking uh, like, uh, the active uh, range of motion when they are performing an exercise. Um, that's a way that I use to, to mm -hmm. see if they started to get fatigued uh, or if they're doing like a more uh, uh, velocity seeing or speed seeing, if they're starting to slow down a lot. Uh, then the loads, obviously, we see one day if, if they if we used to more or less go around the load and that they they didn't communicate well or saying okay i didn't sleep very well and you use the same load that you're using the week before and they struggle then you know okay something is going on here um so that's one thing i use as well and it was something else so speed mm -hmm. well what i was going to go was when you're checking active range of motion, are you speaking of intra set? Like, so if they finish, like, let's say nine reps, and then oh yeah, that's exactly. What you mean? Well, yeah, that's how I was going now. Yeah, <laughs> so within the exercise, during the exercise, and then after the exercise. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so go through like um, I think maybe something common that people over fatigue, like chest press. Uh, or a hamstring curl, or maybe even a leg extension, leg press. Yeah. Leg press is too complicated; it's too many joints. Um, yeah, yeah, like like we can just yeah, like a leg curl, for example. A mm -hmm. uh, leg curl. So within the exercise, what what's, what I normally see, or I normally the points I look at is the the range of motion while dur during the exercise. Um, the perceptive, the perceptive uh, fatigue. So you, it's the communication that your client will will give you. Um, if again, if you, if you're doing it at a certain tempo, see if there's any consistencies there as well. Uh, you'll see. I guess every everyone when it gets fatigued starts to go a bit off, as well. Mm -hmm. They struggle to to keep up with it. Um, so loss of tempo control. Yeah. Yeah. And or increase tempo, even. Or increase, or increase, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if they're like off, like a little bit too slow or too fast out of, of the, the defined tempo, uh, then you, you see, okay, something's going on here. Um, and then after, within the rest, uh, doing an active range of motion, uh, you'll see as well. So for example, the leg extension, if, if someone sits down, 
in the machine without the pedal on, on, on your legs and you do a, 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 the same movement and, and then we see, okay, you're reaching the same range that we initially had. So in theory, you will be fine if, if, you, did, if you didn't see any of the other things before. Uh, or if the range, if, you, if someone struggles to bring the leg all the way up and extend the knee, then we know, okay, it's, 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 done, it's done. It's done, especially yeah. if it's two of them. I find that, again, this is my experience, is if one is, has more range than the other, then <laughs> we screw up something. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, screwed up. The, okay, so there's a huge opportunity cost if you're in an area that has an old injury, essentially, or has some type of inflammation in it. You mm -hmm. can, so there is such a fine line between somebody in pain and you giving them the right amount of stimulus or the right amount of exercise and it actually helping them or going too far and hurting them. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I think the beauty of our common denominator of RTS is that we're taught to use physical constraints in a way that will show us when this, when these signs of fatigue, it makes it so obvious when you put the right constraints in place that mm -hmm. you really don't have a choice, but to stop versus uh, a CrossFit type of motion where you have one, you have to do 10 reps because you're with your partner and you're doing a partner workout. And so the, you don't have like the mechanical breakdown is not as obvious. So there's probably more than five or six opportunities to basically hurt yourself in one exercise because you're oh, not yeah. monitoring any of the factors going on. And which we always say, it's like, that's, that's, that can be great if you can handle it, but you know, where is like the 3% of the room that can actually handle that type of exercise? I don't know. As a the coach, freaks. like they would have no clue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and yeah. So I think like going back to like the leg curl, so mm -hmm. let's say we have, I just got off like such a huge kick of talking about hamstrings that I'm not done. I'm going to talk about it for the rest of the year, rest of the decade. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I was with the leg extension in mind when I was talking before, yeah. just in and, case. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a good one to see fatigue because people will throw their head forward, right? Has nothing to yeah. do with the leg. Their chin will go forward. Their ankle will flex. Maybe one of their arms will twist and they'll turn to the right or the left. And then mm -hmm. you're loading, you know, spinal side bend all of a sudden in, in, yeah. in a flexed position. Like, okay, great. Good, you know, good job. Way to be healthy. And, <laughs> uh, then, but in like, like the leg curl, if you're that person with an old hamstring injury and you go into fatigue in the leg curl, um, and your calf starts overworking, because your hamstrings are fatiguing and you can't see that and you really aren't going slow enough to pay attention to that, that it, that is the, one of the major things that could set you back on your exercise. So, mm. right. Like, so my so reinforcing a, like a, basically reinforcing a, a, a compensation. Yes. Yes. I think that's like one of the big uh, themes here is that 
there is a can you know every single exercise can be this like learning opportunity and mm -hmm. a way to increase all the wonderful neurochemicals that exercise can help with including memory bdnf antioxidant production right um all those things all the things and mm -hmm. then the the opportunity to do that and improve so many structures of the brain versus the opposite which is like have a structural and a functional response at the brain level that can create a maladaption what you were saying when we first started right yeah um yeah. so i actually i pulled up a few articles um that I thought I thought I thought one in in particular was pretty interesting. Um, do you have anything to add to the what we were just talking about before? No, 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 no. Yeah. I was actually uh, uh, thinking about like as you see as you're saying the if you, if you had an older injury uh, that you can start the compensation uh, easily. And and uh, just came to my mind the those pain processes that happen in the brain when we're doing an exercise, you have an old injury, and that that threaten signal that we might feel. Um, so for anyone the out there, threatening the threatening sing signal. Signal, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so if, if 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 again, if that fatigue gets to a like a maximum effort, we just the brain just goes mental, and, and it just says says okay, pain now because something might happen so that if, if there's any pain when you're doing a, a rehab exercise mm -hmm. don't push it just just leave it mm -hmm. all back yeah yeah i mean that is like a, a pain pathway your brain made the pain and then all of a sudden you're perpetrating the thing that you're trying to solve basically oh, yeah. yeah yeah so we uh, when, when we when we when we train and and, and fatigue has, has a, a a lot of influence in this is if if we have a older injury the we have to teach the the brain again okay this movement or this amount of force is okay uh so we have to work around that and not allow uh factors like like fatigue affects that threshold because otherwise we'll just again create maladaptations and and not gonna uh, reverse the injury hmm. what um so in your in this philosophy of training you um could say fatigue and pain have a, a lot of similarities in a way or yes, are they just two different things it did, did different things, but fatigue can affect uh, pain in yeah. a way that if if we it's like we get we have a glass and and we put a little bit of uh, juice and that can be uh, I don't know uh, resistance profile and then we have another lot of juice that is uh, fatigue and then another lot of juice which is load and then uh, emotional stress and then a bad night's sleep. And then the water, you just pour the water out of the glass and that's it, that's, that's the tolerance. And the, the brain will be like, okay, no, now it's too much. I cannot deal with this. 
I'll, I'll start and send uh, pain signals uh, mm. and inflammation processes start and all, all, all that jazz uh, that we don't like. Mm. Yeah, so um, pain is a danger signal. It's wired with the flight or fight response. So like an unpleasant feeling when the heart rate you know, and breath starts to change and then there's like this line that can cross where the muscles and the brain just sense that that's too much and that's a threatening problem. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's when people need to intervene basically if they yeah. haven't done it already. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, um, it's it, it, and that and again back to that example you gave it, which is really good uh, the the cuffs and the hamstring and when the cuff starts to get uh, something you know we notice something is going on there uh, that that's actually a very uh, common um, uh, phenomenon that happens so when we have an injury or something is off a lot of times the the muscle the opposite side of the, the axis or, or just uh, below the axis, we either tends to get really tight or not work at all. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did this, they did these studies, um, I think it was in 2008, I think um, a guy, what was his name? Lepera and Martin, I think. Or Martin, Ma Martin something, I cannot remember very well. Uh, anyway, so they, 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 they measured they measured uh, the neurological response and, and they found a lot of times that it's something going on also with the nearby muscles or so around the joint. It's always something off to compensate or to avoid it, uh, more damage to the area. So you meaning there's activity? They measured some type of activity? Yeah, brain activity. So yeah. how much the, the, the brain, the, the motor cortex was sending signals to the muscles around. Mm. And um, oh yeah, and a lot of them, they, it was a, a reduced uh, cortical motor uh, output. Yeah. No, I mean, that, yeah. So that, uh, that is, in, in neuroscience, that is a functional change to the brain. Mm -hmm. Your brain changes its, like, motive for like it wants to protect you and it's doing everything it can. So it takes resources from one thing and puts it towards another and that might not be productive <laughs> for exactly. Yeah. exactly, exactly. That's, we just summed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Easy peasy. Yeah. I mean, and then the one that I found was actually about heat stress and dehydration. Mm -hmm. And so right. this was like 13 people in the study and they had them doing some uh, exercise and work. So they wanted to see if it, this could be applied to people that work out in the sun, like, and, and it could also be applied to exercise, which I thought was kind of an interesting way to go about it. And each and every, and they used a functional MRI to look at brain changes. And mm. they found brain changes in the what was it the vent what was something was expanding and the, the the brain the ventricles of the brain were expanding with the heat 
and dehydration combo and they like literally doubled like it would happen with the heat and it would happen with the dehydration the combination of the two mm -hmm. doubled down on it okay and then that changed the neural firing patterns which is exactly what you just said the cortical like it changed what was happening at the cortical area and and it also found something really interesting which was that the cognitive changes didn't always correlate to like the brain function. So no matter what, the dehydration and the heat affected the brain, but the output in person to person was different. So it's like they had these like behaviors that they had, it was it kind of. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. And so it had been very painful for those people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I, and so, I've always thought the people that worked out in hot rooms were kind of masochist, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, it changes like your glucose energy, like your CO2 tolerance. Um, and then, so not only that, does it change the neural firing patterns, it changes like the, what the sources that of energy that your body is using. And then if your brain needs more glucose for energy, like what are your muscles getting? Right. Mm -hmm. We don't. Um, and what is the hormonal consequence of that? That, you know, I don't know, but it's not anything I want in my exercise for sure. No, no, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's, uh, that's also like, it's a very practical example. I'm just thinking about it. It's like when, when we have in, for example, now the, was it the world cup or the athletics world cup? in doha oh the next and one yeah i think it's it's happening now it's a, or just happened oh which world uh, cup like the, uh, the athletics no. uh athletics oh track and field yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we, yeah. here we call it athletics okay yeah <laughs> so there's no records uh beaten because i mean they are like 40 degrees eat it, it, 40 celsius uh yeah. so it's super hot so obviously they're not going to perform as well um, and they're going to get fatigued faster. So I, I, I think it was a terrible choice because it's, it, it kills the show. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that, yeah, that is a, a, yeah, exactly. That's for a ratings and a marketing perspective. Like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I think about that often because of being a injury prevention director and coach at the soccer club um we i'm in virginia it's hot it's like it was hot yesterday and it's october wow. um, so in in may in august in september it's in june we don't play in july that's when we get off um it's hot and i think about that often i um i have so many little handouts that my kids get on hydration and i constantly talk about <laughs> pea color <laughs> and <laughs> but, I mean I have to because I really really um I know that muscle function declines when you're fatigued and when you have any bit of dehydration these two things you know go together and we haven't talked about you know we're talking about this from like the brain perspective and the inside view there. But mm -hmm. um, if you're fatigued from the stress that you're bringing into a harsh environment, like you're screwed. 
Oh yeah, 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 completely, Ugh. completely. And, yeah. and and then if, if you wanted to like again recover from an injury or improve a skill, that's not going to happen either because there's less uh, food for the brain to create that neural pathways. Mm -hmm. uh, the sensory uh, cortex is getting the, a lot of feedback, and then so that that loop sensory cortex and the motor cortex, then it's not 100% in tune because the what, what we're getting from the rest of the, the body is just like, oh, I have no, no food, I have no energy. Uh, so then the outputs from the, the, the motor cortex will be way less or a bit off, even, even off. So then we, cre we create that, all those things we talked before um, of lack of range of motion and compensations and so on, so on. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah, to me. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. And, and, and it's, it, we don't think about that a lot of, of times and because and, there's so many variables, right? Um, and it, it's, I, I always kind of have to make myself remember, like, okay, if, I, if I'm a skill, if, if it's a skill year or if it's a, a new movement, working under fatigue probably is not the best option. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's going to be harder to, to, to create that neural pathways that to, to acquire that new skill. Yeah, no, exactly. And if we're not, I guess if, if, if someone's thinking about like how this applies to their life, it is, um, this is, that is the motion that gets set. That's the motion of, diminished performance, poor results from your training, and like we've said multiple times, actually hurting yourself with exercise, which mm -hmm. is like just the biggest waste of time and money. <laughs> yeah, just... yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I and... think, oh, I just thought about a great idea. Uh -huh. People out there, just a, a very practical example. When we tired and we try to study for exam, it, it, we, we struggle to learn because mm -hmm. There's no energy. There's the, that neuro, new neural connections. That learning the cognitive ability, it, it it's just not working. Training is exactly the same. If you're fatigued, if you didn't rest well, we're not gonna perform well. Exactly the same. Oh my gosh, yes. I think that's a perfect transition because that was just. I, I I think that's the right amount that we can teach without getting any more nerdy. Yeah. and probably annoying so <laughs> <laughs> um so i think the the last question is what do we leverage to avoid this this failing of our exercise how do we avoid uh too much fatigue or fatigue in general with our exercise uh and improve our results. So, yeah, I mean, I think the things we mentioned, which are, you just mentioned it, intuition. So intuitively, yes. we know that, like our brain cannot function as well. So intuition's a big one, which has to mm. do with uh, the effort of uh, perceived exertion that you mentioned, right? Yeah. And then mechanical breakdowns, watching uh -huh. 
watching form and knowing if you're training yourself, knowing where your mechanical breakdowns would be if you were to fail. Like I know, I know where mine would be. And yeah, 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 me too, me too. Yeah. So, and we know when we're watching our clients where theirs will be. So that's probably a very high level client to be able to do that on their own. But I think I, I know people that can, that have been my clients before. So it's yeah, and, and, and once, once they know, that's the, once we, we teach them to, to, to see that, then I think they will get to know themselves very well and, and, and recognize that very easily. Yeah, I think um, one of the, I, I have two concepts that I adapted from the NOI blog, the NOI blog, and one is, they encourage people to use their five senses to signal safety in their exercise. So, mm -hmm. which this is necessary if your pain and old injury are looped in with this fatigue and exercise. Yes. Yeah. So using your five senses is um, make sure you're, when you exercise, you are in a positive and enjoyable environment. That's going to help. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, because, you know, something, something stressful can trigger any of these maladaptive processes. So I think being able to find the safe place is important. And then um, understanding like when you get a good hit of like good exercise, that you recognize it. So it's like, again, back into that intuition. Intuition, yeah. And then, um, and then understanding that you're making progress, that it's gradual and that it's not to be rushed. I think that's part of using your five senses, um, the feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one, do you have anything to add to that? No, I was not to that. I was, I was not uh, familiar with that article, but it was very interesting when, when you, the first um, point you, you made, because I wonder if there's any research out there correlating people having like a bad week or a bit more stressed and potential injury. Because mm -hmm. uh, that would be very, very interesting to. I think to have a there's, and the, on the opposite end of that, there is some research with uh, nature, mm -hmm. and getting your exercise uh, with natural elements has an extremely positive effect on the brain, including water. That's one of them. Oh, and walking barefoot, right? Walking barefoot, grounding. Yeah, that has yeah. Um, a lot of. There's research on like, you know, vagus nerve stimulation or parasympathetic nervous stimulation. Yes, um, I read about that. Yep. Yeah, that one I read. Yeah, in the electromagnetic uh, field uh, that, that relaxes us. Yep, yep. That's um, very interesting, actually. Yeah, so I think there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of stimulating things about nature and that is so if we can do something outside um it's like it's like training a runner like they're gonna get they'll potentially get 
with this idea, they could potentially have safer exercise if they're in a good environment outside versus on the treadmill. Mm -hmm. Their brain might recognize the treadmill as weird and unsafe and too new. And they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel comfortable. Yeah. That yeah. can, I think that adds into this loop of. That uh, can fire up like all the defense alarms. Cause again, it, it's, it's about telling the brain, look, this is, this is okay. You can tolerate this, but if there's any variable that says the opposite, then the brain is still going to send any pain signals. Uh, and on top of that, we are, if you reach fatigue, uh, yeah. Or if we have any mechanical disadvantages, then, so, then yeah. And again, easier. the fatigue takes the fatigue, it and uh, the dislike of the environment. Whether that be you walk into the gym and see a bad news segment, which is you know where you live and I live is constantly a problem. Mm. And so, if you walk into the gym and you see some idiot's face that just triggers you, that's gonna screw up your exercise. Now your brain is in flight or flight, flight or fight, and it's using the glucose that your muscle needs for your brain alarms going off. I mean, that's ugh, such a problem. Um, and then that's why I don't go to gyms. Yep. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. My uh, yeah, my my gym only has their TVs on the monitors of the the cardio machines mm -hmm. and. You know, other than that, they're not, they have like new, they have like the sports on in one part of the gym and that's it, like a ESPN or whatever. And then um, the other thing that I tell my clients, and this has to do with like starting with isometrics and it has to do with um, the mind muscle connection. Uh -huh. I tell them to challenge your brain before your body. Yes. That's a yeah. very good one, actually. Yeah. So it's about visualization, um, even watching um, videos of like good quality exercise, I think could help people in this space. Oh, 100%. And, 100%. Yeah. Um, and then it has to do with um, warming up the whole process rather than just like jumping into uh warming up your heart it's like warming up your brain your muscle and your neurological system so that that's how i explain it to people um and then i encourage them to monitor their stress as well with um mm. you know there's there's lots of tools for that i mean i know that's what you know, part of your company, that's what you guys do is teach people to um, be gentle with their body and make yes. decisions. Be very aware. Yeah. Be very aware of the body. It's just like, like, like very similar to what you say to your clients. I always say, just listen to your body and uh, make a decision on it, like a conscious decision um, and never push through, through, through pain when in injury cases. Um, but it's uh, 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 now you mentioned the monitoring. What was it? The heart rate? What you said something? I like oh. HRV monitoring HRV. stress. Yeah. Oh, the HRV thing. I just read now some journalists asking what is and how to do it and who should do heart rate training. 
it must be a new fad in the industry. Oh, yeah. Um, yes, it is. And I, I would like to ask this uh, journalist, like, is any training not heart rate training? Oh. Any... <laughs> I, I, was, I was just so surprised. But anyway, that's another subject. Yeah, well, the... Yeah, there's a lot of fake news as far as, like, how journalists interpret exercise. Uh, that that's definitely that could get me going on <laughs> multiple subjects. Um, <laughs> I have yeah. a whole list of them in my Evernote, to be honest with you. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I get, I get, yeah, I get triggered. Oh, yeah, um, very easily, very yeah. easily. <laughs> very easily. See, he knows me. <laughs> Are you talking about yourself? As well, as well. Okay, okay, right, okay. I'm talking about both. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Tell um, tell the the good people of Podcast Land what you're up to. So right now, uh, just coming back from uh, the summer holidays. Oh my gosh, yeah. your pictures were amazing. Oh, thanks. <laughs> we had a great time. Yeah. Uh, so now back into the um, to exercise. Uh, just focusing now on um, training and injury rehabilitation uh, here in London. Mm. Um, and that's my main focus for uh, the next couple of months. Um, getting, helping people and get them uh, pain-free and fit, feeling good. That's, yeah. that's about it. And what parts of uh, London do you see people? So I'm based in uh, Liverpool Street and Leicester Square. So mm -hmm. two semi-private uh, gyms um, with natural light. Right. Yes, that's so and important. With, yeah. And with clean changing rooms. <laughs> that's so important. I'm telling you, people get, if people get bummed out when they walk into the gym, it's, it's, it's bad business, obviously, but it's also bad for your outcome. Oh, yeah, totally. You're, it, yeah, so, so screw it. Experience comes. <laughs> you have to feel nice uh you feel good be in a nice environment that's mm -hmm. uh, part of the whole experience yeah um, so i'll on that note i'm going to get some oils in my diffuser and make sure all the natural lights coming in lovely <laughs> lovely i don't have any sunlight anymore here in london so oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. I'm just going to make dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Okay. Well, it was a wonderful to have you on again. And thank you we'll for do having it again me. Soon. Yeah. Well, I'll look forward for that. Okay. Great. All right. Thank you. Have a great bye -bye. evening. Bye bye. You too. Right. Bye bye. Bye.